Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash rebelfm to get your free audiobook download. Welcome to Rebel FM episode 183. I'm Anthony Gallegos alongside Mitch Dyer. Hello. Matt Chandonet. Hi. And Arthur Geese. This whole you in one ear thing is fucking with me. <laughs> it is a little weird hearing you only in one side of my head. I have this weird bottle of Diet Pepsi. What, the f- we all what is that? Is that? <laughs> is that plastic? Yeah, it's plastic. It, it looks a, like a glass bottle. Is it a 20 ounce? It is a 16 ounce. What oh, world is okay. It's the Space Needle version of Pepsi. Um, I need to turn off the TV because it's Chappelle's show and it's him. Yeah, we're going to be super distracted. Like it's fucking lightsaber. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be way too distracting. Um, We're here and we talk about video games. Starting with, I actually played video games. I went. I I tried to play new stuff. Um, I actually got quite a bit of ways into that Swapper game that we had talked about previously, where you create clones of yourself and they all mimic what you're doing. Yeah, Uh, and you kill. That game uh, starts to get. Like it's at first, it's like it's just a really cool puzzle game, mm-hmm. but it actually has a kind of intriguing story to it as well, so which I think is kind of cool because a lot of two D platformers have a hard time telling any sort of interesting story. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would encourage you. <laughs> he I said would, a lot. He didn't say all. Yeah, I was gonna say what what, what game did you say? Limbo. Mid- oh, yeah, Limbo. Right. That's. I still feel like Limbo Braid does it better, but Limbo doesn't necessarily tell a story as much as it sets a world up and then you go through it and you're kind of like like piecing things interpreting, exactly. Mm. Like the story of of (coughs) the swapper is very much told to you Mm -hmm. and so you are kind of piecing it together based on what they've said or coming to like conclusions maybe ahead of them and like making assumptions, but it is a story that's very much told, you know, versus something like Limbo or whatnot. (coughs) Um, but I just think that's kind of a hard, like a hard perspective to kind of tell a really interesting story through necessarily Mm. like a 2d platformer. Um, especially one that's like the mechanics are all centered around puzzles. So (laughs) I, I think that's rad, but actually Mitch, what I was hoping that you played, cause I, I tried to hook you up with it. was I played the second episode of Kentucky route zero. I haven't yet. No, I downloaded it, but didn't actually get to play it. I saw Marty playing a little bit of it. It looks fucking awesome. It's great. I mean, just like the first one, if you're not familiar with it, it's like a vector art mm-hmm. uh, point-and-click adventure game. Picks up right where the last one left off. Just like the first episode, it's very short, probably 45 minutes total length. Um, and it's it's really beautiful, and it, when it uses music, it uses it like extremely deliberately, like even more so than a lot of point-and-click games. Like a lot of point-and-click adventure games use music to kind of like set the theme of the area you're in. Right, and just it'll, more background music. Exactly, and then this, if it's putting a song in there, it's because it's, like, not only trying to set a tone of a space, but it's also using, like, like it might be that, like, you enter an area and there's a bluegrass band playing, but the bluegrass band <laughs> is actually present in the scene, too. <laughs> just, just no one acknowledges them. That was the know. same thing in episode one, right? Is that, like, a recurring thing? Yeah, it is actually kind of a recurring thing. 
Um, I guess I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, <clears throat> I, I I played this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast or not, but yeah, it was. Uh, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, nice. I, I mean their whole kind of perspective, their whole kind of deal with the game. I called it surreal when I did the review. Yeah. Now I now I know there's actually a term for it called magic realism, um, which magic is like realism. What's the difference? Yeah, it's a. Uh, Surreal is more like you're dreaming the whole time, and magic mm-hmm. realism is like a world that is just like the one we live in right now, except magic just happens to exist. Like, I that's see. kind of the difference. Like, Dark Tower is considered a magic realism book. I see. Um, hmm. but, uh, well, there you go. So, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's still got that sort of, like, weird kind of tone with it where there's all these crazy, incredible things happening, but no one really acknowledges that they're credible or weird. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a little bit like a uh, oh shit now I'm gonna lose my don't blank thought. don't blank I'm totally blanking the TV show from the 90s Twin Peaks, Peaks. yes it's like that yeah we went yes. over that last time we talked about it too it's it's very lynchy I am so unoriginal you guys yeah um I've never and, had and I'm talk. gonna spoil like, we talked about that before everything you've said has been talked about <laughs> I know. nothing you say matters <laughs> my my audacity just crashed do we need to stop um no we're good let's roll with it okay. I may but not yeah. even use the audio you send me because it's actually pretty clean on our end. It'll just be ten minutes of silence leading up to here. Uh, yeah. So exactly. We find that so. people like the podcast more when they can't hear Anthony at all. <laughs> it's just going. Yeah. User feedback suggests. Uh huh. Um, yeah. It, it's. It, I'm going to spoil one tiny thing in like the first th- like minute of this episode. Yeah. So like just to give an example of of how bizarre Kentucky Route Zero is for people that haven't played it. It's like you come up. The first thing that happens in the start of episode two is you come upon this building on the the route zero, and it's like you go to the elevator, and it's like first floor offices, <laughs> second floor well, conference room, uh-huh. third floor bears, bears, fourth floor storage. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck's that? I gotta go up to the third floor." I love that. And sure enough, you get off on the third floor of this building, and it's just a bunch of bears sitting around <laughs> staring at each other. Well, I love it though. Like, did you walk like? Through to the balcony side, all yeah, of them they, turn they and follow, follow you. you. Amazing! <laughs> I love. Like they don't get up and follow you; just their heads turn and follow but you. But again, again, so no good. one acknowledges that this is a bizarre <laughs> or strange act. Um, but the game is, you know, very filled with like stuff that's meant to put you kind of make you intrigued, but also put you ill at ease. Like yeah. the fact that that everyone always insinuating that like the place you're in is kind of a weird place. Like I can't tell if we're supposed to be dead or if we're in. Like limbo, yeah. or if, or if we're like, I, I who knows? Are I you still on don't the know what island? that game's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's well, no one it, in this room that gives a shit about Rust, is there? <laughs> Correct. No. Okay, but oh, it good. does, it does do really amazing <laughs> things with like the way it, the way it decides to tell a story, just like the first episode did, and and it not only flips things like, you know, obviously one of the things people loved about it is the way that it rotates the camera perspective, even yeah. though it's a 2D game. Yeah, yeah. Um, or well, it, well, it plays not, with it's that not 2D. Too. It's not too deep, but usually the perspective is a fixed position, and then it rotates it to kind of, like, present a new field. Um, But uh, it plays with your idea of perspective of the storytelling, too, because normally the story is all told through Conway and his his companion, and it's their story, and I'm spacing on her name. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know who you uh, mean. (laughs) <laughs> but can it's, anyone it's mainly, in this room remember her name? God, no, I no. know the dog's name can be Homer. 
That's great. It's a- Way to demonstrate misogyny and sexism in games that no one can remember the name of the female character. I don't actually think that that's fair because is, the, is, the game is very much Conway's story. I'm not saying that you're misogynistic or sexist. I'm saying that just they that I am. So that it's easier to remember the dog's possible name than it is the main character's female companions. I like no, dogs no, way more shit. than I like people. Her, her name is Lula. There but the reason I didn't remember is because, honestly, it's because I don't like her responses. Mm. Like, Conway is very much more, like, as a character into the idea of, like, not getting to the point in Lula's dialogue, if you ever select it, is always like, nah, Straight shut up, just it. tell me what we need to know. Right. And I, that's why I usually don't pick it. Um... But uh, yeah, but like yes. uh, Conway is very much so just part of the world. He's just go- trucking along, you know. Yeah, like, he, he's no like intended. perfectly willing to shoot the shit with people, even if he just met them. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I was saying about the way they they fuck with the way you expect story to be told is most of the time it's Conway delivering dialogue or Lula delivering dialogue and people responding to them. Then you making choices, Conway or Lula. Mm-hmm. But there's like one point in episode two. Where you get to an area and the whole entire story, even though you're clicking Conway and Lula and telling them where you want them to go, the whole entire story is uh, is told through the 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 someone interviewing the people that they talked to. Mm. Like you, like you walk up to this house, this person comes out, and they're like, "Well, what did they ask you about?" Oh, well, they're strangers, so I didn't really want to tell them much. So then Conway and Lula walk away. And it's like, you know, but it's, it's all told like that, even though it's happening in real time. It's like the conversations that are going on are told from like the perspective of someone that's talking to them after the fact. It's just stuff like that is like really cool and, and unexpected. And that's kind of the things that can Techie Route Zero plays with. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to. No, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I do feel like uh, there's I feel like there's some sort of internal, consistent lo- logic to the world and to the story. But. It's just out of my reach, you know, and and I think you're supposed to feel that way. Like that's why it'll throw in things like a f- uh, the third floor is just full of bears, <laughs> because with no explanation at all, where it's like, uh, oh, maybe I finally understand what's going on. Uh, no, actually, I don't. But maybe if I choose the right dialogue, or maybe if I go over here and explore every little nook and cranny of the overland maps and stuff like that, I'll kind of start to get it. But you never quite as engaged with the world as all of its internal characters It's because it layers it in such a way that it's believable. Like, it's grounded enough yeah. that it, you, you buy into it, and it's mm. it, it's never so weird that you're like, oh, this is a wacky, crazy, magical land. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what Anthony's talking about, where it's a real world, where there just happens to be weird shit going on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and what makes you ill at ease is that people don't talk about it. You notice it, and Conway almost certainly notices it, but mm-hmm. nobody addresses it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fascinating to watch that world change and the way the the world literally changes as you play. Like, we talked about it last time, the way the world just kind of peels away yeah. and becomes this other place. Nobody acknowledges it. Like, where the fuck are we? How did we get here? <laughs> Nobody ever acknowledges that. They just move on. Yeah. The, yeah. All the people in their office jobs, they're like, oh, this is just my job. This is what I do in this very weird yep. building in the middle of Kentucky Route Zero. Send that down to the Bears? Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I think the reason that you want to keep playing it <laughs> even though it can be really weird is is because Conway's character is like immediately likable mm-hmm. like like he he just reminds you of like that he's like an older guy that's kind of like towards the probably towards the he's like a silver fox in a way that's kind of <laughs> but but he's not foxy anymore at all actually he's, he's all he's, fat he's and actually, hunched over and he's got actually fucked beyond up like that and uh 
He's just he's old. Imme- <laughs> he's immediately likable just because of the way he carries himself with other people. Like he's just affectionate towards everyone yeah. and stuff, and you like him. And yeah. Lula is also an extremely likable character because even with even though her external dialogue towards other people is very matter of fact, <laughs> mm-hmm. her banter with Conway has that same sort of like, like sort of, uh, I guess like intimacy between it that actually makes her like really interesting and likable too. Even if she yeah. puts out like this kind of like dickheaded wall towards people that she doesn't know. Yeah. Um, and so I want to find out what happens to them and they make me stick with it even though that, but it also, I think there's like that sort of wonderment of like the story almost feels like sometimes like it's being told by an adult with the imagination of like a four year old in the sense that they're like, no, nah, now Superman's fighting, uh, <laughs> fighting the Ninja Turtles and they're flying into space. And that's like how this game is like, you don't right. know because anything could happen at moment to moment. And I just think that's like particularly awesome. So it, I still recommend that game. I, I know it's like twenty dollars or something like that, which might seem a lot, yeah. but they are getting a better track record now with like delivering the episodes on time. Mm. I think. Well, they're and a month late on this one. Yeah, but uh, but those it was, bastards! How dare they? <laughs> but uh, I think so far I've really appreciated what I've got to play. So I'm I'm yeah. perfectly okay with the fact that you know I bought it and. Yep. Uh, and I'm pretty happy with it. And uh, well, plus these uh, these kinds of games, um, they're they're worth special consideration because I think the clarify what you mean by that. What do you um, mean special consideration? I mean special consideration in that, like, uh, I think it's pretty easy to look at the amount of indie games that are available on Steam and on other platforms and look strictly at the price. And think yeah. that, this uh, one's five dollars, right? Why is this one twenty dollars when this other game? I it's can the app play store for, problem, right? Like right. everyone thinks a game should be a dollar when something's three. It's unheard of. Like how dare they? Right, three dollars yeah. for a mobile game. Right, exactly. And I think we're, uh, I think video games suffer from a little bit of a, uh, well, they suffer from that in way that maybe <clears throat> some other art forms don't, and yeah. uh, because you know the. Art is whatever value people are willing to pay for it. And Do you think that's just mobile games, though? Just mobile and indie games? Yeah. Um, no, I think it's gaming in general. Okay. Yeah, I think it's sort of... it's. I don't, I don't want to go so far as to call it a problem. I just think it's like it's an interesting space that we're in right now that there's all these different pricing models that are all working to various degrees simultaneously in whether you're talking about the indie space or the AAA space. So I don't think it's really clearly defined... You know, that, oh, this is an indie game, therefore it should only cost less than X dollars. Uh, And I guess what I mean by special consideration is that this is a short game. Like Anthony said, you know, you can play the second episode in, like, 45 minutes. But I feel like the craft that goes into this game is (coughs) worth every penny. Okay. Uh While Anthony Uh fixes his microphone, you were using your Astro headset. You got to switch to your mic. Um, Man, his Astro headset sounds so good. Think so? I was getting a bit. Of, I was, ugh, God, that's awful. I was getting. It sounded like my speakers were blown. So I was wondering if it was just me. I was using my Astro headset the whole time. time. Yeah, I think you were. I said. I thought I said this. Nope, I'm getting nothing when you tap your mic. <laughs> I mean, you oh. can. It's it's you a still Skype sound good. thing. Like in Skype, you have to go in and manually change uh, it. Oh, that's right. I did set it on my computer to be my primary mic, but Skype yeah. don't give a fuck. No, Skype. <laughs> Skype doesn't care. Hello, Skype, Skype is, is the cat of chat programs. It doesn't care. <laughs> it does whatever could, it wants to. You could go in right now and change it. It wouldn't actually interrupt the Skype call. 
Nah, that's fine. Let's just keep going. It sounds pretty good. I'm pretty happy with my Astro mic. Okay, um, cool. But uh, but yeah, that those are the two things that I like really dug into. I also played the new Walking Dead. Uh, I guess. Wait, wait. I, I don't know if we ever talked about played, that. I okay. haven't played it yet, but I've downloaded. No, it, it came out last week. Yeah, it did. Um, so it's no. a. It's it's pretty. It's pretty good, and it really, I believe, I, I don't know the official role that it serves, but the way it sets itself up as... It's a bridge. Is, yeah. Exactly, and, and very much a bridge in the sense that how you play the the five short stories in The Walking Dead... 400 uh, days. 500 days. 400. 400 days. Well, actually, 400 days of summer. 400 spartans. days will determine what cast you have as your playable characters in a in season two i mean that's just oh, one theory right like one of the the conspiracy theory oh, is theory. at the office right now is that they started season two and they thought shit we need to populate this world with interesting people hmm. how do we do that so let's release this Kill episode yeah <laughs> let's release this episode that kind of dictates who is going to be where when you start season two so they yeah, picked it- five people and in the end they may end up in different places and yeah. it depends like that might have ramifications when you start ep- uh, season two yeah they might not even be the character that you play or people you interact with i doubt that they will be but now at least you'll go into season two and if you when if and when you meet these characters now you'll have some understanding of why they're acting the way they mm-hmm. are that's because, a good idea yeah yeah i like it well it's like, and, it, sorry go ahead i was gonna say it's it's also like a good example of how to tell an interesting story like for people that want to learn to tell better stories it's like five really great examples of almost like like i hate to, i'm gonna make the comparison even though it's probably not 100 saying it but it's like tarantino style stories where they tell an entire story 15 minutes and it all takes place in one scene the mm, whole thing yeah like some of them are like it only takes place in this car that's right. the entire thing nice. boom go do they ever come together yes it may do all come together by the end yeah that's super cool well, and I also wonder, like, like we know that they keep track of stats on, like, who yeah. makes what decision, right? Yeah, and at the end, there is a tally that says, like, 50% of players chose this, and you right. did this. Yeah, so it makes me wonder if maybe they'll just go by the stats, and they'll go whichever was the, mo- the most popular decision to create that decision point for the majority of players. That's a good point, because if it, they're doing a Season 2, and it's taking this long, like, I'm curious if it's going to be on current-gen consoles. And if, and if I'm sure that it will be. It'll be on 100%, everything. Yeah. yeah. And if they're doing a Season 2, though, and, like... There's a lot. If there's a whole bunch of decisions that you can make in this 400 days to define who's alive. Woo. <laughs> we got there. Yep. That unless. Thank it's, you for. Uh, wait. It's just a d- quick non sequitur. Yeah. You were obsessed with cats. Yeah. To the point where you were willing to cat sit my cats. <laughs> yeah. But you were allergic to cats. I'm horrifically allergic to cats. <laughs> yeah, but he used to spend the night at my house. And were you ever fine. given an aptitude test? <laughs> That attributed a learning disability. Can you spell that, please? <laughs> Can I spell? Get my that? joke. God damn it, Arthur! Move on. Let's move um, on. So if your the- jokes need to be funny for me to get them. Aw, that was mean, but true. <laughs> so for four hundred days, back to so, yeah. I was just saying that, like with four hundred days, um, I would guess. Of course, I have no idea, but I would guess that there may be too many decisions. Uh, even in this short thing for them to be able to include them all as possibilities for people's season two of content. It depends on what season two is. Because Mm -hmm. by the time that game ends, there's enough set up with everybody and enough different possibilities that I I think that a a season two could handle it. Mm. I do think a season two can handle it as well, only because I think, Matt, even though you're making a bunch of little choices in each Mm -hmm. storyline, 
they almost all come down to a binary choice. Mm, like a binary yeah. choice that's going to make the difference of either this guy is is grizzled because he had to kill so and so or he's mm-hmm. kind of passive because he didn't choose to do it. Oh, and it, gotcha. it's it's yeah. it'll to be, be more grizzled like that. or not to be grizzled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's it, in the end it's much more binary, but right. I think that maybe the hope is that even though it's more of a binary choice uh, in, as far as like what will be pulled over in code, right. like you'll still be more attached to it because you you feel like you had a hand in that. So Anthony, how did it pull in your save game? Did that work okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it didn't even, as far as I know, it didn't have to. So uh, I mean, no, it absolutely to. does. Does it? There are a ton of references. Oh, then yeah, it didn't pull in my save game. Mm. Awesome. Shocking twist. Awesome. Because actually, now that I think about it, there's there was a reference and it was not at. Or no, no, it was accurate. Were yeah, you, yeah, maybe you, it did. Were you dove into the ditch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot. Yeah, it's just been a while since I played it. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and they do a really good job of playing with a, a couple of, of themes in it too. There's like one part where like people are like overtly racist to this black kid, mm. and like uh. And you're like with this crazy white trucker guy that you're not even sure you can trust because he kind of feels like he might be one of those rednecks with a Confederate flag on his truck too. Mm-hmm. Even though he sticks up for you, and every time, even when this guy sticks up for you, it always feels like maybe he's sticking up for you because he wants to murder you in the back <laughs> after, after, he, after he gains your confidence. Has anyone here seen This Is the End? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know Jonah Hill in that movie? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of it's like that where you're just like, you there. This is not right. Yeah. So, I hate him um, so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, it, I really enjoyed the hell out of that. Uh, even though, and like I said, it was like a one sitting thing. I did it in like hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. Tops. Really, you can replay really, it in an hour or less. For people nice. who didn't get into The Walking Dead. Like, do you think that this serves as a good sort of introduction to it? Yeah, you could have played this. The references that it makes to your choices throughout season one aren't important. They are and inconsequential. This still, mm. And this and this sort of gives you uh, a taste of of the type of choices you have to make in like a Reader's Digest version. And hmm. well, and they they got uh, better <laughs> at making the episodes by the time the fifth one came around. From yeah. season one, you know, like the first, the first one had some adventure game isms that they just thankfully left behind by the time they got to the third episode. Yeah, four hundred days doesn't really fuck around with puzzles or no. making you go talk to everybody or you whatever. Don't you don't have, have to, to flip do. a radio and like no, put the batteries in the right way. <laughs> this is almost it's it's very much about the story, right? Because they yeah, wrote these no five puzzles. short stories, and all you have to do is walk your way through them, basically. Right. And there's some interaction, I guess. Like there's a scene in a cornfield where you have to not get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a few moments where you can fail, but it's very yeah. easy not to. Right. So it's not exactly a challenging. Well, game. they caught on that that's what people really want. Right. Because people wanted. hated the reflex-based garbage that The Walking Dead did, where it's right. like here now it's a terrible first-person shooter <laughs> or whatever it has to do, where you have two seconds to reach over and grab something or else you die. None of the Twitch stuff in The Walking Dead was good. Correct. Yeah. So they abandoned all of it. Smart. Um, yeah. yeah. That that I played that and that was really. Like that didn't disappoint, um, and then I also played this little game called Torbosh, which I know came out a while ago, and it's on WiiWare apparently. I've never heard of this. Okay, what so am Tor- what am Torbosh? <laughs> Torbosh is a free PC game. It's like ten dollars on Wii, uh, 
but it's 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 called like the ultimate fighting game or something like that. <laughs> and what it is is you have you have what are essentially like three D modeled stick figures, and then they have probably like thirty muscle points on them. Mm. And then what you're doing is you're clicking muscle points and determining whether you want them to contract or extend. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it does it, and it does it frame like like in like one second chunks. So it's quap so, is what you're saying. Yes, but you're but it does it in one second chunks. So you're like. And it kind of gives you a ghosting, a quick ghosting animation to show you what it's going to do if you decide to move forward with this. <laughs> so it starts with you guys just T-posed facing each other. And then, like, someone will, like, you know, tense up their leg. And, and like, so they're leaning back. And then they'll tense the other leg to do a kick. And then they'll, like, tense up a punch. And you, as you, if when you make contact, if you hit them in the right spots, you'll knock off limbs and blood goes everywhere. <laughs> and so like real life. when you see two people that are really good at it, you'll watch as they come towards each other and they'll just be doing like crazy flying kicks, murdering each other and stuff <laughs> like that. Great. There's also cool multiplayer modes, cool multiplayer modes, uh, where like it starts off with you both flying at each other in yes. air. <laughs> and so then as you close, you're like tensing up your body to try right. and make something. And I make this sound like it's easy. It's incredibly difficult. No, I, this sounds very hard actually. As I tense up towards someone, I'm lucky if I'm able to kick them once. Before just like flailing off into the sunset. Can you and I play this multiplayer tonight? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really easy. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's free. It's called T O R I B A S H. Can you email me a link? Because I'm going to forget. Is it on the internet? Or yep. just if you search Google Tori Bosch, it's just like a 20 meg downloadable game. Oh, God, I need it. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's just some incredible YouTube replay videos. That's oh, kind of how bet. I got into because even though the fights happen like one frame at a time, yeah. once the fight is over, it, it allows you to watch a replay. Oh, it's it like Frozen Synapse. where it's, Yeah, it's exactly. This turn-based, oh, muscle-based tactics. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. Anthony? Genre is born. Switch yeah. to your other mic. Okay. Your Just go into the happy. Skype settings and switch. A genre. Because well, it's, it's making weird <clears throat> noises. You're That's making weird noises. It's true, I am making weird noises. Well, Anthony does that. Has anybody here ever played a Shin Megami Tensei game? Yes. I have not. Well, wait. I mean, so so there are numbered Shin yeah, Megami so Tensei games. So core Shin Megami Tensei games. I don't think I have. I played. So you played uh, Persona. Devil Summoner. Okay, I've played Persona. Okay, so we've all. It's funny. I we all have it. Even forgot that was Shin Megami Tensei. Right, a lot of people but do. I played Persona Four, <clears throat> and I actually got uh, Persona Four Fez Fez. <laughs> oh, I've yes. only seen yeah, little three. bits and pieces of Shin Megami Tensei Four, and like the the art I've seen makes all the characters in it look like they're. They walked off the Captain EO set. Yeah, they're <laughs> awful. So what, uh, the, yeah, oh, you sound so much better. Thank you. The art design in Shimigami Tensei Four is terrible. Like the characters just look really dumb. Mm. Conceptually, it's cool where you have like traditional samurai esque stuff fused with weird sci fi stuff. Like the whole premise of so the game. It's Japan. It's Japan. So the whole premise of the game is you get this gauntlet and it decides that you're allowed to be a samurai. So you have this digital LCD gauntlet. That tells you what to do when you have an AI on your arm, but it's also your traditional samurai, and you fight monsters with a sword and that mm-hmm. kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I tweeted about this game. I only played an hour and a half, two hours. Didn't really give it that. It's like full do. Yeah. I tweeted like, oh, I'm not really enjoying it. It's a little fucking boring. Mm-hmm. The characters are kind of awful, and the internet went nuts. 
Because apparently the whole point of this game is that the characters are boring and suck. Yeah. For a narrative reason. Right. So people kept telling me, you have to play until it gets good. That's fucking bullshit. I, that's what I'm going to ask. Is, is this acceptable? <laughs> like, this is a bullshit mentality Don't that you should start. have to play a bad game for a certain amount of time until it gets good for it to be good. Fuck that. A bad game is a bad game. So if it's bad for two hours and I don't enjoy it, so I'm going to fucking stop. The funny thing is, is like, just because I was, just because I was curious because I keep seeing this show this game show up on my twitter feed i read uh, jeremy Parrish's review yes. on this game and uh he of course uh totally loved it yes. i shouldn't say of course because yeah, i mean of course everybody seems, everybody doing reviews this seems for this game pretty up jeremy's alley yeah. yes. and that's fine yep. which is totally fine but uh and he actually said this he actually said at the beginning of the game he actually thought that that was like a kind of a he didn't actually use the word brilliant but i'm going to uh, that it's kind of a brilliant way to twist things around on the player, and yeah. it's actually enjoyable once you get to that point to be like, "Oh man, I I had this all wrong the whole time." It becomes a revelatory yes. moment, and you get joy out of that. And a, a lot of people told me that. I read that in Jeremy's review. My friend at Game Informer who reviewed it told me mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 it's it is deliberate. There is a reason for that, mm-hmm. and you have to go through to see it. No, I don't. <laughs> I, really don't. Um, I mean, my, I I can understand why people want that, and there yeah. are things of, like there are forms of media and tv shows and stuff i'm like it's rough like season one of buffy sucks but just stick with it because it gets so fucking good wait season one of buffy shut the fuck up see you're with me that's so i'm speaking for broadly for a lot of people i totally disagree i think buffy season one is awesome i mean i but i also like i prefer angel to buffy oh my god we we are like arthur like it or not every time i agree with mitch about anything i get really nervous (laughs) you start questioning yourself wait what have i done wrong it's like do i just not get it <laughs> uh, so another thing with Shin Megami Tensei 4 is I, I tweeted like oh it's it does not have anything at all like Persona like the things I liked about Persona are not at all present here to which the internet lost kawaii, its mind kawaii bullshit well so that's the thing people are, people attack me for saying it's not the same thing which I know I know that Persona is about making best friends in high school and going to classes and being super nice best <laughs> friends if I just do it one more time people might like and me. having a best friend who's a teddy bear like I get it. I know that it's a totally different thing than this super serious melodrama about law and order and chaos and justice. Mm-hmm. But what I think of the misinterpretation there was in Persona 4, that game starts off on a character moment where you interact with people and you immediately care about these people and you continue to give a shit about who they are for the entire course of the game. Mm-hmm. And this starts out, and it's it's a every JRPG. It's, welcome to the academy. You're a junior. You've been chosen. Why don't you go do a dungeon run and test your might and prove that you're worthy of the blah, 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 blah. And you get back, and it's just... I wish that I could play a game that actually says all those things. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. Blah, too. blah, blah. It might as well have. Like, these characters... The the people you're supposed to care about, like your best friends in the academy, yeah. the guys who are like there for you, are just lame are these binary. Ones like they're from that Daft Punk video. Yes, okay. this guy's with the super long. One of them is like super pretty. Right. Yeah. So yeah. they're just they are binary representations of good and bad. Where it's right. one guy says like, oh, we should be doing things this way, and the other one is just saying, no, don't worry about the rules, man. And neither of those are interesting at all to me. And maybe they get interesting after the super awesome plot twist that makes the game not boring mm. but man like that is just it's a jrpg that is everything i dislike i feel i feel a little bit like this is similar to my complaints that i've had about uh like dark souls is that like mm. i uh like 
the early moments of that game, it it takes so much work to it actually hurts. get out anything to actually get anything out of that yeah. game that I can't do it. I so what it stage do you like get past the jank in something that's entirely janky and think, oh, I get it now. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, like I, thing. and I feel like if you if you've got the time to put into something and like that sort of moment is powerful enough for you to overcome, yeah. you know, like the other thing, or to or like. It's really interesting to think that you know a game would actually fuck with the player in that in that way. Yeah, and I think that is laudable, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there are people out there like it sounds like I would have the same reaction as you as you did, Mitch, where uh, I would just be like, "This sucks. I don't want to play anymore. Why am I wasting my time doing this?" Well, and I suspect you're like me, where you're at the point in your life where if something doesn't grab you immediately, you move on to something that's better. If something sucks and I'm not enjoying it, even if it's going to get great and if it's like life changing, I'm yeah. not going to stick with it because I would rather go have an experience that is awesome. This is the Final Fantasy 13. Exactly. That's 100%. <laughs> yes. Um, my other main issue with, uh, I'm going to call it Persona 4, uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4, is that it has this really interesting combat system mm-hmm. in that uh, you're collecting monsters, mm-hmm. like almost, almost like Pokemon, except you're coercing them to join you. So you'll run into a bunch of monsters, Mm -hmm. and you will have the opportunity to fight and kill them, get XP, or talk to them and have them join your party. Hmm. Which is rad. It's awesome. The problem is that it is less consistent than L.A. Noir's uh, dialogue system. So Mm -hmm. you'll be asking them, they will be having randomly generated conversations with you, Mm -hmm. where you will say, hey, do you want to join my party? And they'll say, well, what do I get out of it? Mm -hmm. And you can tell them, like, you can try to bullshit your way through it, and sometimes it works. Mm -hmm. Or you can say... Okay, you want some of my MP or my HP or my money or my items and my revival stones or whatever, and you can give them stuff, and you get damaged or you get hurt or you lose MP and all this kind of stuff, and you you make serious sacrifices to get them in your party because they're worth it. Are they permanent losses to your HP and MP? Or no, no you can recover. Like oh, you can okay. just use an item right after the fact. Gotcha. Um, the issue is that you can say, okay, yes, take half of my HP. Where is that coming is from? Is anybody else here a bongo? It's, it's an apartment. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Uh, that's hardcore. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope we enjoy all get that audience. enjoy this bongo music while we talk <laughs> about Persona 4. I, I know they can hear it because I can definitely hear it. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know where it's coming yeah. from. It, it, but it's definitely one house that does it, like, all the time. Right. They're probably and a Shin Megami Tensei fan. Maybe. And the funny thing is, like, if my TV is even kind of loud at 8 o'clock at night, like, my downstairs neighbors pound on the ceiling. Jesus. Great. Fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to deal with this shit because it's an apartment. <laughs> anyway, so you'll be doing these things and saying you, you'll be cutting your losses and saying yes, take these items. I don't. I will for you, you wonderful monster. I will give right. you this money and these items. But unless you were fully committed to losing a significant amount of stuff, it seems like you can either try to bullshit your way through it and like cheat them and dodge their questions, and they will say, oh, "I'm satisfied anyway," and join you, or they will completely turn around and say, "Well, I took half your health, half your money, and a bunch of MP." And you're still going to have to fight me now, which is, it's like an interesting risk reward system, but it's also bullshit. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no consistency to it at all. Well, isn't that kind of the fun? It just sort of happens. Like it's not, it's not because there's no player. know what's going to happen. But there's also no satisfaction. There's no, like, I outsmarted this guy. I was better. I knew I made the right choices because it's totally Well, it can't be totally arbitrary. 
as far as so i asked a friend of mine who reviewed it and she said yeah like that's and she loved that about it the fact that she never knew what was coming she's like that i don't know that awesome. asking another reviewer is the way to know for sure if sure. it's completely arbitrary there are listen <laughs> limited numbers of people have played this game that's not out yet right but you have like the email for for pr which is like a conduit to the developers you could ask them so is it good and so I, but i don't care about their game i mean i could do i could write that email right now yeah well and so and so a, a, a question that i would have is you know is is it so arbitrary that like the dice rolls in the background or whatever you want to call it are a hundred percent random, or can you do things to you know make your dialogue choices more effective? To my knowledge, there is no way for me to say this is the answer that I, short of committing to the idea of losing all your shit, right? Uh, everything about trying to sneak your way around the conversation is random, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell. You'd never know whether or not they're going to buy into it. There's nothing you can do, at least in the early stages, to improve the way you speak to them. Like, mm-hmm. there's no coercion mm-hmm. skill, mm-hmm. at least that early on. But um, you've also mm-hmm. only played for two hours. Sure, yeah. And I like I have given up on it completely. So the internet's going to yell at me for, A, not playing it very long, B, having big issues with it, and C, quitting before it gets good. Um, but there it is. That game just... I wanted to like it because I, w- I really wanted to get into Shin Megami Tensei for a really long time. Persona was really accessible. And this is a different angle. And I liked the idea of sci-fi samurais and <laughs> yeah. chaos and justice. And that stuff is really cool to me, even though it's melodramatic and dumb. Um, <laughs> it's still really cool. I'm just, yeah, I'm still I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but That's why so, just so many pieces of it don't work for me. It just yeah. I found it really, really frustrating. And in two hours, I just felt like my time was wasted. It's, Which is a bummer. It's hilarious that I am the one defending this game, by the way, because I have no like, vested. <laughs> are you listen? Are you defending it, or are you playing devil's advocate? I'm, in a way, I'm defending it because I think some of the things you're saying, like you, you cannot know that. Like you do not know that it's sure. totally arbitrary. I, and I'm very open about that. That I'm speaking purely anecdotally in my limited experience with the game. I'm just saying in that in that time, it was not enjoyable, and it appeared yeah. to be cheating me or. You know, just not really being consistent. It never explained... For a game that explains its systems so explicitly, because Japan is really good at doing that, it never says, this is how the conversation system works, this is how you do better at it, this is how you can outsmart them. There doesn't appear to be any weaknesses in the conversation system that you can exploit. It's all just binary yes or no die rolls. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, it doesn't sound that enjoyable to me either. I mean, but it's obviously, it's tracking very well. Reviewers yeah. love it. Yeah. There's a passionate I mean, it, fan base who hates me. Like, I'm going <laughs> to, last time I said anything remotely resembling this, like, I got a bunch of people mad at me, but fuck it. Like, with a, with a, a niche game like this, mm-hmm. it is not like a game with a broader audience appeal where it's much more random who's going to review it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, with a game like this, it's going to very specific people. Yeah. And those people, it's going to Jeremy Parrish. It's well, going yeah, to Cat sure. or, It's going to or Kim Wallace. For us, like there are a few people on staff that really like those games. Right. And mm-hmm. we actually have a lot of people on staff that like those games. Who's so, doing it for you? Phil? Uh, Megan Farrakhmanish did it okay. for us. But Phil was also interested, and we had uh, yeah. Alexa Correa is also into that. But uh, the thing is, like with especially with super niche games like this, the number of people who are even remotely qualified to write that review is comparatively small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that are qualified to i almost burped at the same time <laughs> twins twinsies 
the people that are going to be able to write that review are going to be more inclined to dig that kind of game. Yeah, and that's Whereas, true of every single thing in this industry. No, because I mean, like, there are some games that have broader appeal. Like, I think that an Assassin's Creed game has a wider variety of people who are going to be willing to play it than Shin Megami Tensei. And that's 4. absolutely true. I'm just saying, in terms of reviews, you're um, getting people who say, "I want to review that because like, I think it looks awesome." Super Mar- new Super Mario. 3D Land will have lots and lots of people that try to review it, or yeah. Call of Duty Ghosts, or Watch Dogs, or like a million other things, yeah. or even Rise for fuck's sake. Yeah. But like something like this is a pretty niche game. It would so, actually be more interesting to me to read a review by somebody who is not a follower of these games or the yeah. genre. Right. Well, and then welcome to the conversation about sports game reviews. Yep. Yeah, like, that's true. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, how do you have somebody review, uh, you know, the next Madden game when they've never played one before? Well, you have to make that sort of the angle of your review, right? Is it like, I haven't done this. I haven't played a sports game for the last 15 years of my life. But, but then I'm you're also doing a disservice to the massive audience who cares. Right. But so the thing it's is, a hard like, balance to strike. With, yeah. with a niche game like this, Anthony is just like rolling his eyes this whole conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I moved on from this. With a, game like, with a game like this, I like it. It doesn't make those opinions less valid, mm. but totally it does agree. make those opinions more predictable. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. That's a really great way. To speaking of predictable, Anthony, tell us about the Civ Five expansion. Oh, my God. Oof. It's a... Uh, I mean, when I talked about it to someone that I work with, uh, they thought that I sounded down on it. And the truth is, I'm not down on it. It's just that it is more Civ. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just it, it is very much so in the sense of an expansion though more of the same except that it changes systems a couple of systems that only people that love Civ 5 are going to give a shit about which and would like, be me and you. like like uh, it uh it's changes more political stuff right the stuff that lets it, you play without having to go to war it's supposed to like you it know it's a little bit more of that but yeah sorry just I've always felt like in Civ achieving anything other than a military victory is really hard like in general because even when you're going for other other objectives victories like there's usually one nation who's been securing military victories and eventually they come for you and if you haven't been at least working on somewhat of an army it's pretty hard to defend yourself after a while see that's so funny because for me like uh the military victory is the hardest one for me to achieve like I can do diplomatic, scientific. Did you time. say diplomatic? I also heard diplomatic. I can do diplomatic. Okay, that's a completely different kind of tactical adventure game. <laughs> but the uh, I I can do all of the other victory types easier than I can do a domination victory. See, and I guess maybe maybe uh, you know when I look back at my review for this, and that's what, and I said as much that I thought military victories. It might just come down to the fact that long term. It's it's so hard to say because I've never sat there and watched you play a game of Civ for twelve hours, Matt. Yeah. But I, I wonder if it comes down to the fact that like turn to turn, you and I are making such different choices yeah. about like the things we're pursuing that for me, I'm following like my logical sort of plan towards culture and it's like not the right plan. Like I don't know, for me, like I've never been and I'll admit this, like I've never been the type of Civ player who like agonizes over choices a lot. Mm. I usually look at <laughs> the chips fall where they may. I'm saying like I still I think about what I want, but I, I usually just like the reason I like Civ Five is because I don't have to sit there and look like 
20 stages down the tech tree. Yeah. I never look towards the future as much as like, what's my most immediate next goal. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I always pretty much follow my advisors. Like right now I'm doing shitty for money. My mil- my financial advisor says do this. Yeah. I'm probably going to go with that. Right. Um, and so but, I uh, actually do look further down the tech tree. I kind of decide what I'm going to do kind of era by era. You know, like I don't look down at the end of the tech tree, but like for this one, I knew I wanted to try out the new uh, culture stuff. You know, I wanted to see how tourism works is, you know, it's tourism is your aggressive culture win and your culture points. Not only do they get you the social policies, but they're also your defense against other people's tourism. And uh, that was a really interesting twist on that system for me. So I immediately just started uh, racing towards all of the culture texts that would allow me to build the wonders and get the great people, which really build up your culture points as quickly as possible. And Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, just wondering if maybe of, basically I've just been playing Civ wrong, Civ wrong for a long time. No, that's just that's you haven't been playing it wrong. It's just that you play it the way that you enjoy to play it, but it's still working for you. I mean, I yeah, I, I guess it's just when I go back and read that review, that's one of the reviews that I've always looked at, and I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's maybe it's me. Like maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's not Civ. Maybe this is me. But, uh, Which review? Uh, this for Civ Five, the original Civ Five. Did you give that like a really good score? I did, and I don't regret that. I'm just saying that some of the things I critiqued it for were very true to me, but I don't know that they're necessarily true to the design as, as much as indicative of like a long-term way that I play over the course of like a 25-hour game. Well, I mean, I guess know? the question is then, like, did you did you criticize it for decisions that you didn't like, or did you talk about not liking decisions that they made? I talked about it more like I like speaking that I felt like it was really hard to do this, that, and the other, and it did, versus, it made you have less fun. Yeah, that's, um, that but that's that's not wrong. That can't be cor- incorrect. Yeah. But I but it's 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 I guess to leave that in the dust. That's where it belongs. <laughs> is uh, I mean, I yeah, Matt's right. Like the tourism thing. Like the fact that there's like actually a culture war that mm-hmm. you can wage on someone now. Is, is a pretty neat idea because now when you generate like something like a famous book and you store it in a in a center in your city it actually does kind of give that like book value because back in the day you could generate great artists and they would generate works and stuff like mm-hmm. that and it was cool they generated culture to get towards policies and whatnot right. but it was never that big of a deal like that work in itself didn't matter right and so now it's like they've actually added weight when you generate a great musician and he writes that fucking beautiful sonata because <laughs> now pe- people will come to see that sonata. Does and you can only try to steal your <laughs> shit? And you have you have to have storage space no. for it. Yeah, you do have to have storage space for your for your stuff, though. Otherwise, you can use the great person kind of the way that you used to, and that you can have them build an academy or something like that, which will generate culture points. But the only way you can really win the culture war this time is for your tourism to be so high that its value outstrips everybody else's culture in the game. Like you, yeah. it, it's like a domination victory, but you dominate through culture. Sounds hard, uh, America. It's well, actually it's, it's, like, it's exactly it's modeled after like America versus like Russia in the Cold yeah. War. And so, but like I was looking at, uh, you know, because now since you can do the um, uh, what are they're not doctrines, but what are the new social ways that you can do like uh, 
Freedom and uh, uh, they're called. Uh, actually, I haven't gotten high enough to get one yet because it doesn't happen until you get to the modern era. Right, but okay. um, ideologies. So ideologies, depending yeah. on the ideologies that you can pick, there's a whole bunch of like. So they added some new social trees that you can pick, some new social policies. But then, uh, so they took three of them and they put them into one called ideologies. And then those ideologies, you can pick various tenets from. It's a little bit like the way that they did religion in God and Kings. And uh, they give some pretty strong bonuses. And I was noticing that like each of them have kind of a path to culture victory that's particular to whether you're an autocratic regime or a freedom-loving regime or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was super cool because, like, the uh, just like um, religion got such a, a deep overhaul in the last one, culture got a super deep overhaul now where it feels like a complete system the way that everything else does in Civ Five. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the things that anyone might have leveled at Base 5 Civ for not having versus, like, Civ 3 or Civ 4, yeah. like, they've really, through these last couple expansions, have kind of like remedied a lot of that by bringing back the spy system and bringing religion into the game in a meaningful way and now bringing like uh, the ability to actually spread culture in significant ways is really cool and I mean when now, they added religion back in that was your sort of come to Jesus moment for Civ 5 right? yeah no I mean it's still intended. not quite the <laughs> quite as uh, aggressive like you can't force someone like you can't th- there isn't diplomatic things about religion or anything like that but you still i mean obviously still had the ability to send missionaries and convert them to religion and they have like a really cool system about giving you benefits for following certain religions and whatnot well there kind of um, is now though too with this expansion like if uh if you share a religion with somebody uh that's a really great way to help spread your culture that's uh, true so yeah. it's like there's a number of ways that your tourism becomes more effective and uh, that's one of them. There's also having open borders and having a trade caravan because the new trading system is also associated with the way that culture works. Um, I, yes, I know. I screwed up that word too. One of the new uh, social policies they've added to my they call it exploration. Yeah. But, but it should just be called colonization. <laughs> it's totally like the, even the symbol for it is like a white looking English dude with like a <laughs> let's go on an expedition hat. Like, and it's about rapid overseas expansion. So but, just, uh, but I actually took it uh, for the culture victory that I'm pursuing because once you get the highest level of it and you've unlocked all the, the policies in that tree, then it reveals all of the hidden archaeological sites around the map. And there's a new unit called the Archaeologist, which can't be bought for gold in the cities. It can only be built using production queues. And the Archaeologist, you send them to these sites. They dig up artifacts. And then if you have slots in your cities in museums or if you build a wonder like the Louvre, then that's how you get more points toward your tourism and your culture victory. So the exploration thing can actually be used completely non-aggressively. Yeah. And, and there's so and many things in Civ Five that serve dual purpose like that, depending on the victory conditions that you're looking for. It's really ingenious. Yeah, and they've added a bunch more, uh, you know, predictably more civs and stuff. Yeah. Even though I've realized calling them civs isn't necessarily fair. That's what we all call them for shorthand, but they're really yeah. just cultures. Yeah, they are. Like, you know, they've added the Danish culture. They've added the Polish people now as, like, mm-hmm. a playable mm-hmm. uh, civ, and they've I'm added, like, like a, every bad even, Polish joke right now. 
they've added people like they've added a couple of like southeast more southeast islander like tribes and stuff like that and i'm playing i'm playing the brazilians right now because they seem particularly suited towards a cultural victory giving you leadership bonuses played as the venetians or the shoshone i have not nice. right now i'm playing as the the danish because i liked the idea of having them colonize or <laughs> you know settle on a bunch of islands because that's really kind of what they did yeah. So I I think the Venetians can't conquer territory, or they can't colonize territory. They can uh, only take it in military victories, or like they can. They buy they it. cannot they cannot annex a city. They can oh. they can only puppet other cities. Okay, yeah, that that's kind of significant. But, but they but even though they can only puppet other cities, they can still purchase units for gold in those cities. Okay. See, that's different. Yeah. Because normally when you puppet a city, you basically have no control over it. Right. Like, it still feeds you money and contributes to your overall, like, science and all that's that. But you can't, case. you can't decide what they do. Right. Um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're always doing really clever little things like that that are, like, again, for people that are like, well, I've already played with all. I've never they, played with all the civs. And they, they still have... Yeah. They change the vanilla game, like, when they do these expansions. It's like, it really does feel like a new... <laughs> better more robust experience especially if you're a, a dedicated civ player yeah I'm, I'm i'm really i'm really quite uh quite happy with it and there's also steam workshop support for it so yeah it's, there's it's, a billion mods. it's it's come a long way yeah i uh uh i started playing yesterday at about uh i don't know seven or eight p.m and I was like, oh, fuck, it's 3 a.m. I need to go to bed. Yeah, that same thing happened to me. I was like, well, <laughs> 2K was nice enough to send us codes yeah. for it. Yep. Do they and send you codes, too? They sent, they sent, two, they sent, they sent, they sent one to me, and then they specifically said, do you want one for Matt? And I said, oh, yeah, they did, one yeah. Matt. That's right. I saw the email. So. Occasionally being on our podcast isn't the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So. And I was Benefits. like, "Well, I do. I want to play it. Like, I did actually feel like I wanted to play it so I could talk about it in the show. Next if they're going to go out of their way to give it to me before release, like I wanted to actually play it. Yeah. So, no, I'll but then that tur- before we give you then that care. turned into like a, you know, playing far too much of it. Yeah, so. that's good I, though because you have a game to talk about. Whereas I have nothing. So <laughs> I counter that with I'm looking at an Ouya right now. Why? Yeah, I have played nothing. Really. It's you just sitting there? You haven't touched uh, it at all? I set it up, okay. and I browsed it for about an hour and a half, and mm. it was like one of the worst game experiences I've ever had. Oh, you didn't play no. any uh, Towerfall? Towerfall no, sounds cool. Because hey, well, I don't hey, give this, a fuck about Towerfall. This controller sucks. Yeah, my my so Ouya is, is sitting at uh, IGN office. Sitting on right Brian's now. desk. Uh, <laughs> I'm picking it up tomorrow, baby. Well, I'm, I can't wait for you to pick up all your shitty controllers, because this is one of the worst. It's really bad. Oh, um, let's this take. is like the third person that I've heard that like has passed on or has a hand-me-down Ouya. They're changing hands quickly. D-pad's pretty good. Let's let's take a break really quick. Oh, Arthur's is in second hand. He bought it. <laughs> no, I paid for it out of Ugh. pocket. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back, and I'll talk about how much I hate the Ouya. Okay. Hey guys. Hey. So we're going to talk again about Audible. 
Yeah, I heard that's where you can get audiobooks. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands. Actually, I, I do use them all the time. Right. So, I mean, like, literally before we started recording this advertisement, which is an advertisement, we'll be honest, uh, Anthony played a bit of an audiobook on his phone <laughs> that he bought, I think, through Audible. Well, even if you, yeah, I, I use Audible, and plus all books on iTunes, basically every audiobook on iTunes comes through Audible. So. Right, but we don't want people to do that. We want people to go to audiblepodcast.com slash rebelfm. Correct, where you can uh, redeem one free uh, audiobook. Yes. So what were you, what are you listening to? So right currently now? what I'm, I'm listening to, which is definitely there is uh, under the dome by Stephen King soon to be made into a TV series. Huh. So a very good horror story. Uh, um, and then I just finished a book that's on audible, uh, called inside Scientology, which is a really terrifying look inside of the church of Scientology. It's not written as a hit piece, but, I feel like Scientology is so batshit insane that any scholarly work about it will eventually paint it in a light that seems particularly crazy, including, say, I think it's called Operation Snow White, which you can do a Google search on, where they infiltrated like dozens of government agencies and stole thousands of documents. Um, and they have a systematic <laughs> right campaign of uh, harassment and blackmail for anyone that criticizes them. Uh, so that's really, really good. Uh, it reminds me a lot of a book called, um, under the banner of heaven. Yes. That's, that's what I was just trying to look up under the banner of heaven. Yeah. I don't excellent book. Yeah. That's a really great book. Um, and she actually, the author of inside Scientology acknowledges it at the end, which is interesting because it came to me while I was reading it, that it reminded me a lot of that book. Uh, and then the other book I'm reading right now, which is also on audiblepodcast.com slash rebel FM is, and so it goes, which is an autobiography of Kurt Vonnegut. Um, and I'm not very far into that right now, but I just read about his experience in Dresden, um, which is really intense. I don't know if you know about the firebombing of Dresden where they dropped right. millions of, of pounds. They of basically TNT. laid the city to waste. Yeah. Like they melted like an entire city basically. Um, and so that, that is really fascinating. Um, and again, uh, I'm finding that literally any book I could possibly want to read typically is on audible we've even been surprised a few times yeah i know that matt our our friend has been a little surprised by the books that he's found on there so i definitely uh we recommend it again you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash rebel fm and get one free audiobook download so uh you should definitely do that yeah I'm <laughs> welcome back <laughs> welcome back to rebel fm you bring us back that's i'm the anthony gallegos Arthur, why did you buy an Ouya? For work. <laughs> but you, but for work, it's not like you're going to be the one who's reviewing those games because chances are any games that come out on it are not going to be the type of games that that you would want to play anyways, we right? We don't know that. Also, I bought it for the <laughs> system. We? No, well, look, technically we don't know that. Uh, we could hazard And also we're reviewing the console, so. Mm. And are you, are you reviewing the console? Uh, I'm the one writing up the review. Like we're getting info, we're we're basically taking opinions from the staff and turning it into a review, which is the same thing we did with the Wii U. Uh, oh, okay. Is we came to a consensus among senior editors about the system. Um, Ooh, which is, I think Matt just turned it on. Which is oh, did I? Great. Now it's right. on. Oh God! Now it's never going <laughs> to turn on. Regular editors don't get to have a fucking opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not for this. Shut up, peasants. Uh, so so. Uh, 
they sent my review unit to an intern's home address that no longer works for us. Cool. So, did you? Did, so did you? <laughs> did this intern just steal your shit? And yeah. not? I I don't know. But there's a point where, like, trying to deal with that and overnighting something becomes more expensive than it is simply to buy a hundred dollar piece of crap on Amazon. Why not just not buy so it? That's what I did. I was, I was gonna say, why not just not buy it? it seems like it's not even like it's worth it. Because you it's could my just job. not write that hundred words. It's my job. <laughs> It's my job. Why do you have a fucking Wii U, you idiot? So I can sell it to Amazon. <laughs> so uh, you've uh, so you've all you've done is scroll around in it and play around with this. I downloaded a couple things, controller. but I mean, I played some stuff on it a couple months ago at yeah. GDC. So it's not like there's anything revelatory. Uh, and it's the controller still sucks. It's still. It's like the crappiest controller I've ever used. It's really awful. It's really, really bad. Nothing about that is comfortable. Feel too bad, but there's nothing to keep your fingers from sliding off. Sure, the sticks are okay and the D pad's okay, but the controller itself just feels so flimsy, um, like a toy. There's no grip. There's no comfort. Buttons stick. Really? Yes. The triggers have awful throw. Um, Yeah, the the triggers feel like uh, like Fisher Price plastic nubbins. Yeah, it's just not. It's not. What did you say? They have awful what? Throw. Throw. Like, the range on the triggers sucks. It feels like a cheap third-party controller for the original Xbox. Um, and then as far as the system user experience goes, it's just... It's still sluggish. Uh, it's still... Even little things like holding a wireless signal from 20 feet away, if that from 15 feet away from the router, it can't do... It it doesn't connect to to five gigahertz router signals, which is Whoa. not good for apartments. Yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's like all the games are tiny free shit that's that are Android games basically, or they're games that are on other platforms that are more well realized. Well, I think everyone's known that for a long time, though. I mean, the the idea was always play Android games, but now play with a controller on your TV. Great, like that was even their Kickstarter pitch. Yeah, to a um, large degree. But the hope was that people would focus on that hardware and do things that are suitable for a television. And so far, I've heard that that one game, uh, Towerfall, is about. the game yeah. that no one will shut up about. And then yeah. people play it for <laughs> half an hour and don't play it no more. But it sounds so cool. I, I, it's I, like Bushido Blade Smash Brothers. <laughs> That's I, the no, shit. Press people play for half hour and then don't ever play again. Press people have unrealistic ideas of how much people really play video games though. Uh, okay, we all yeah, play I'll, tiny chunks and then never play it again I, d- like I don't do. know who the hell else is buying this piece of crap other than press people who have to well, and really rabid android people who have no sense of perspective whatsoever and I guess everybody who backed it yeah well not everybody who backed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that's for goddamn sure um, I think mine officially arrived like three days before it came out uh, so I mean, I th- th- right now the things that people seem to be most excited about on on the system are things you can sideload onto it, or the emulators which for which you can sideload ROMs onto the system, mm-hmm. which is so it's useful as a thing I can do on my PC easily. Well, you're theoretically your your PC does not hook up to your TV as conveniently as the Ouya does but even in that respect the Ouya is more of a pain in the ass than it should be uh, I set it up really quick I didn't have a problem mm-hmm. with it but mm-hmm. other people on staff at Polygon 
have had huge problems really? getting it to work How on so? their televisions. Like uh, it's not problems? outputting like resolution and uh, is it HDMI? Yes, it's oh. only HDMI. Weird. It's not outputting uh, proper resolution for TVs. There's no uh, overscan setting properly. Mm. Uh, it deals with HDMI handshakes weird to the point where you may never be able to turn it off properly depending on your TV and receiver. Wow. Uh, also, when you go into the menus, it thinks it's a phone. <laughs> uh, right. Which, like in early debug hardware, I can almost sure. see it, although that's still super amateurish. But it's it's unbelievable that this is a product that they're selling on stores on store shelves and like they just don't, don't fucking wall that stuff off. Uh, they don't wall off the phone stuff. You mean? Right. Yeah. It, it, they, you really can see that this is an Android device. Yes. That's lame. It's pretty incredible. So, um, so uh, but maybe, maybe that's the audience who is so enthusiastic about the OUYA. That's what they want is they want access to all the system guts to do with it as they please. Okay, so it'll sell as well as an Android tablet. Right. That's I don't think that that's what Ouya wants. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, probably not. Because they use the Kickstarter money as a way to secure additional funding, I think. Yeah. Like venture capital funding. I would imagine, Look, We're yeah. popular, give us money. Yeah, so I, I don't know, man. I... Actually, I say I, I, I bet so, but I guarantee that's what happened. Uh, IGN's old CEO is on the board at Ouya. Uh, IGN's old designer is also on, st- or did contract work for Ouya. And I guarantee you that he put money in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is one, of the, one of the games that's on Ouya, I distinctly remember him asking me what I thought about it while I was at IGN. <laughs> so I'm sure that nice. that's why he wanted to know. Yep. Should, should I cut that from the podcast? No, fuck okay. it. He did that. I'm saying it. <laughs> All right. It's not damning. Um. So yeah, I, don't, I mean, maybe like Double Fine signed some kind of exclusivity deal for the title formerly known as the Double Fine Adventure. Nope, that game's absolutely coming to PC first. Why for consoles? Like it's oh, there's some kind yeah, of deal in place. For Ouya. Airtight has their. That's strange. Uh, so Ouya must have some kind of money to throw around. Coming exclusively to Ouya? Yeah, Airtight is doing their exclusive thing on Ouya because. Whatever. There are lots of people that make bad business decisions in the gaming. Yeah, they probably don't have to throw that much money at an indie pub like that, though, to secure exclusivity. I don't know. Right, Especially well, a timed exclusive. But there's a point where you wonder, like, are they really getting anything out of that exclusivity? Like. I would say no. Like they're not probably not, they're it. probably not getting sales out of it. They're probably looking at it as if it's just a timed exclusive. They're basically just helping us fund development for the real version. Like gross. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, who knows? Like, and there are there are people on staff who are into it because it's just like a ton of cheap like or free games that you can try quickly and then move on to the next thing, which isn't bad in and of itself. I guess. I just, yeah, it's just like sitting on playing mobile games on your couch, I guess. Yeah, I just don't know why you would buy a dedicated thing. Well, it's I, I don't know, Arthur, right. why would also, you? Also, it comes because <laughs> I'm an idiot and did it for work. Well, I, I, see, I can understand the appeal. Like, if the, if the system and if the system software, basically if the console was good, <laughs> yeah. 
if, uh, if it was good, I could totally understand people buying it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like it's not it's not the games that are the problem. It's more the console that's the problem. Well, it is the games that are the problem because first of all, it's Android, which means that the piracy rate is insane. Yeah, and you can just sideload Android apps onto it. Mm-hmm. Like there is no functional anti-piracy uh, implementation on the Ouya mm-hmm. to the point where it's a selling point. Mm. Where they advertise emulators on the system, mm-hmm. like for fucking Super Nintendo and Genesis, I don't and even PlayStation. Know that, though I was gonna say I don't even know that I view playing SNES games a lot of times as like real. It's not on the same level of piracy to me as games that are currently out and for sale. They advertise it. What yes, do you mean they advertise it's it? on their featured channels. Like they have <laughs> really? featured games and their emulators and their in their featured games. Great, and it's. Well, I can see the I can see the appeal to that too. I mean, I'm not talking strictly about piracy. I'm talking about something that is not a walled garden because everything else in our lives is becoming more and more such a walled garden that I can see the appeal for people that you know are willing to put up with the poor interface in order to be able to do what they want with what they buy. So the problem is that like when something doesn't have walls in the consumer space, it ceases to be a garden and turns into a Shitty vacant lot where bums take pisses and weeds grow. <laughs> where no it one turns can, into San Francisco. Nothing, nothing Aww. grows in those vacant lots. Like nothing, yeah. nothing good, mm. or nothing that's sustainable. Right. Uh, and the thing, and the things that try, like, end up being sort of pissed on. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a toilet. Right, right. If it's not a wall garden, it's a toilet for bums. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that it has to be that way. I mean, PCs aren't a walled garden. And Steam is a walled garden. Steam is, but I'm saying PCs. Steam is not the same thing as a PC. Yeah, but I mean, look how long it took for PCs to get their shit together so that any time you visited a web page, you didn't get a virus. Or look at how long it took Steam to get its shit together. And even then, stuff like... Steam was terrible for so long. Indie games, it's a race to sell things as cheaply as possible. And that's that works for a specific group of people, but that doesn't work for everything. So, and they still make the lion's share of their exposure and mind share via walled gardens. Yeah. Like, there's there aren't big Android games the way that there are big iOS games because piracy takes a modicum of effort on Mm. iOS and takes no effort at all on Android. Mm. That and then the big stuff on iOS comes to iOS because it sells more and eventually comes to Android because I guess we should support them too. Yep. So I I just... Well, it also comes to Android because the Android market is like fucking ten times the size of the iOS market. But it sells half. It doesn't even sell that. Yeah, I mean, but everybody. Do we know sees, that? But yes. People, yes. Android sales, Android software sales are terrible. It's something like a tenth of the of the app store. Like, I've just never read anything like that. <laughs> there are stories the, out the there, and I themselves are huge. I could be wrong. That's just the figure that pops that springs to mind that I feel like I've read. But according I to a made-up survey, I invented. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> I didn't make flavor. up a survey. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm going to hit the search button on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I have a new, yeah, and I, I don't disagree with anything Arthur's saying, like, or I'm not expecting anything more yeah, yeah. than Arthur's saying. <laughs> I have a new, yeah, in another state, and I... 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree. I don't d- assume that Arthur's wrong about anything he said. Like, I'm not expecting much from it at this yeah. point at all. So, but so, I can understand the appeal of it to some people who really like mobile games and like the idea of playing it with a controller. Like, that's the real appeal for some people. But well, that's why people went so apeshit over you know the Apple Bluetooth controller specs that came. Uh, out according to Wired.com, as of the end of 2011, iOS apps generated six times the revenue of Android apps. 2011 was a long time ago. It was. Yeah. I, but that's probably still. The is out now. That is <laughs> now. So. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people that I know that buy Android get, phones also don't buy apps. Like, my parents mm. both have Android phones, but <laughs> fuck if they're ever going to buy an app. Yeah. There are, there, and there are a shit ton of Android phones out there, so I can see why it would be yeah. appealing to some developers to just look at the numbers and be like, hey, if we can yeah, hit a certain yeah, percentage yeah. of these yeah, people... I, I don't know if they've done another... like If anyone has put out another big survey since the end of 2011, but the mm. numbers from Piper Jeffrey were to the end of 2011, $340 million on apps on the Android marketplace to $5 billion on Apple's Jesus App Store. Jesus Christ. So, In a year or of all time? Like, from start to that point. That's, okay. a, that's a one to two times difference, right? Yeah, I guess that's just, but that's just saying apps in general. Like, I'm curious about individual game sales. Like, how does Plants vs. Zombies on iOS do compared to, like I'm saying, we don't know game sales. That's just apps in yeah, general. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't but know. I mean, games game are sales. a pretty solid segment of app sales. I would say, yeah, but they're also the least expensive. Because stuff like maps and translators and GPSs and educational stuff is really expensive and still sells well so that's probably it's inconclusive but from. all signs point to that it, it sell, shit sells worse than android so when did the was the first android phone in 2009 or 8 i don't know i do not recall i think early 2009 and when did the app store launch before uh, was it 2008 it must have been because the iphone was 2007 right yeah yeah so it must have been 2008 so it's only a year ahead yeah. And five times the revenue. <laughs> yeah. So So yeah, I just there yeah. I, there's not much of a market for Android games. I don't know what the Uyo is going to do. I don't see how it's going to be anything but a giant flop, but mm. well, we'll see. We'll see. Mm, I I'm sure it will if be. You're going to use it. <laughs> I suggest sinking a PS3 controller to it. Oh. And I suggest if you want to keep using it, you buy your games instead of uh pirating them. Also, Get a different HDMI cable, because the one included is about three feet long. Womp. And the power cable is about four feet long. Cool. So fuck you both ways. <laughs> I, can, I can work with a three-foot one. I'm okay. uh, my shit's close to my TV. My um, new apartment is a very old apartment in San Francisco, and it has one outlet per room. Oh, that's oh no! <laughs> so you so, have forty power bars. Uh, yeah, we have to run extension cords around to the other side of the rooms to Brutal. get to our devices. I have lots of outlets in my apartment, but they're all two pronged. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. So I had to buy a ton of uh, like grounded outlet right. adapters at Home Depot. There's some. There's some fucking slovenly person from the Midwest listening right now in his brand new home that he pays less for than we pay. And he's just like, ha, 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 fuck all y'all. Yeah, oh, well, shit. right here. Whatever. He lives in the Midwest. <laughs> That's fine. I'll console myself with fresh produce <laughs> and civilization. Yeah. Oh. Anthony, do you want to read some letters? 
And you say that kind of I really wanted time. to make the transition. Arthur, do I'm you want to tell us me. anything more? Ooh, you want to move on to read some letters. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur's never been more disappointed in me than he is in this moment. I love it. Uh, oh, it was so punny. I share Anthony's silence on this matter. That's amazing. I love it. You uh, really yeah. concentrate high on five. those letters. The only sustenance I need is Arthur's disappointment. Yeah, high five. I'm looking for a letter. The, I don't know. I'm very yeah. proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I was nice. sitting on that one for a long time. <laughs> I, I, I'm having one of those days where I'm reading 90% of these letters with contempt. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that every day of your yeah. life? All right, well, then I'll get into the fucking letters. I'm, re- I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm looking, Jesus. you're looking. We just spent like half an hour talking about the Ouya. Dear Rebel FM, I really like this girl, but don't know how to talk to her. Anthony, do me a favor and start recording on Audacity again if you haven't been. Relationship letters no, are fun. I haven't been this whole time because yeah. you told me not to. No, I, that's fine. Just start again. Just we haven't done relationship case. letters in a long time. They, they were what made the show, man. None of us would be where we are today without relationship letters. It's um, not necessarily incorrect. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not looking at letters because I'm opening Audacity. Okay. Well, I'm I'm signing in to look at letters. Let me read you a random email from my inbox. Do it. I'm curious mm, what kind of emails land in your see. inbox. Arthur, what do you guys want to do about food? <laughs> Hmm. That's so interesting. What was your answer? What was your reply? I did not reply. That's typical. Um, It is usually the case where it's like, Mitch, what do you want? I don't know. Matt, what do you want? Make the decision for Mitch. Okay. (laughs) It's every week. Every week of our lives. (laughs) Um, Warren Price says, oh, snap. Wish I could. Sunday seems to be a birthday palooza for my mates. So he's not going to come to Pacific Rim with us. What is he from Australia? Right? <laughs> you don't have mates. Okay. Get out of here, Warren. I have one. I'm going to read from Troy. And hello, Oakland. Shrieking <laughs> outside my window. Just How long till sirens? Time. I'm saying 30 seconds. Oh, uh, no, that's a mom and her kids, I'm pretty yeah. sure. How long till so sirens? <laughs> Troy says, hey, guys, long time listener, first time, blah, blah, blah. I'll yeah. try to make this brief, but I'll probably fail, and it's because he's a journalism major. Oh, boy. <laughs> Over the years, I've been able to carve out my niche as a critic. Until recently, I felt quite confident in my abilities as a writer and a critic, but I feel like I've hit a sort of wall. Hmm. Over the past few months, I've wrestled with the idea of review versus analysis. When writing, I find myself skewing away from general statements about something and instead focus on specific examples to explain why I feel the way I do about a given thing. Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah, a, that's, that's I'm, pretty look, I'm looking so for his so good. problem. Yeah. Keep doing that. <laughs> good job. You keep yeah, keep fighting over it, keep struggling uh, with that dichotomy. For instance, I recently reviewed the Jackie Robinson biopic 42. I felt like the movie had too many different story beats and because of this the story felt too busy and uncomfortable in its own shoes. Uh, that's a cliche. Maybe you don't want to say that in your review. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't just say that. I also brought up specific examples I noticed from the film to back up my mini thesis, so to speak. With this amount of two, it was about 200 words talking about the muddy story beats and how they hurt the overall quality of the film. Instead of just one sentence saying they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're doing actual criticism. Right. Yeah, so you're great. supporting your argument. Wow. That's important. Blah! Good work. <laughs> um, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. So good for you. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep, keep being smart. Yep. 
I mean, I, I think that that's actually what's uh, that's my first sign that a reviewer is either unskilled or just doesn't give a shit is if they write a thesis and a conclusion with no supporting statements. Yeah. I mean, it's basic five paragraph essay shit that we all should have learned in school, even if you were just barely paying attention. Yeah, it's I also mean, the foundation of argument since the beginning of argument. It's better to have something to say about what a game is trying to do and how it makes you feel than to cover off on every base and just write brief, vague, unhelpful things about every single You're bullet point. You're not writing a database entry right. yeah. about a video game. The multiplayer is good, and the single player is okay, and the characters are believable, and the story is slow. Like, <laughs> but it's a mixed bag. IGN, ah! IGN period com. Blew me away. Oh, God. Uh, so to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you're struggling with this kind of stuff, you're on the right track. Also, 200 words isn't that much. No. No. 200 words but is is not enough. That's a pretty common movie review. No, I think he meant 200 that's words like, is what he went on. Like his that was his support for one argument. That's almost uh, as many words as I have to write to clear the the like intro gutter on a review. <laughs> Anthony, did you see one you wanted to read? Um, that would be a no. This one comes well, from Kevin, who I, says, "Please don't use my real name." <laughs> Is that, is that real? Or were you reading <laughs> I'm not reading emails. I'm just saying that happens so often. That's <laughs> bound to happen today. <laughs> oh, we're okay. so good well, here, at this, you guys. Here, here's one I'll let Arthur try and answer while I Uh-oh. find another one. Uh, how will GD... I don't know. This guy didn't provide a real name. His... <laughs> His name is at ymail.com. Like, it's, it's his name and then at ymail. That's the thing. Ymail. There um, he is now. says, how will GD, yeah, GDDR5 improve graphic performance compared to DDR3 RAM? I have read on AMD's website that GDDR5 memory can enable up to 20% better graphics performance. If true, how does it do it? Is it higher bus speeds? Yeah, it's higher bus speeds. Uh, well, there you go. Like speed? Starring Keanu Reeves? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's exactly oh. like that. The PS4 cannot drop below 55 miles per hour. When you, when you speak about next-gen hardware, I need you to compare it to various Keanu Reeves films. Oh, God. <laughs> How is the CPU like Point Break? It's Patrick, it's Patrick Swayze. It's a 100% pure adrenaline. <laughs> it only lives to get radical. This is my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we totally need we totally need one it's, that's it's relevant just, to Encino Man. I think uh, ultimately the PS4's RAM is about thirty percent faster than the Xbox One's, and it's also got access to more. So it is just bus speeds. Yeah, it's got higher bus speed. The only thing the DDR3 and it's and the uh, ED RAM that uh or the ES RAM, I can't remember which, that the Xbox One has, is that it has lower latency so it can access it faster, but it can't... It has trouble sending data over that stuff as as quickly. What's the movie where Keanu Reeves uh, plays Siddhartha? I don't know who that is. The Buddha. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> is that a movie? It is yeah. a movie. I don't remember the name. <laughs> I really the, like the Day the, the Earth Stood Still. <laughs> Wait, was that the alien movie he remade? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, we just some of these letters are like the same shit we always get. I live in a small town and no one there loves the games. What do I do? 
Uh, well, there's a different it. small town one from Jacob. Go for it. If you could just read my first name, thanks. You're welcome, <laughs> See? <Jacob>. Close call. <laughs> so I live in a very small redneck town in Oregon. This is the one I, would, I skip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 20 and my first ever girlfriend just broke up with me. She got angry with Here me that I was actively showing support for the Supreme Court's decision regarding gay marriage. She oh. called me a lot of horrible things like fag lover, Nazi rapist, and so on. Fuck her. I work with her brother at a grocery store, and he has begun to publicly attack my beliefs, especially wow. when members of his church come into the store. I just feel See, really lost this is lost one we didn't alone. even need to answer. We know what we're going to tell him. Get the fuck out of order. Well, he needs an answer, so leave, fucking get over it. Leave that town. I know that I should yeah, do the Christian thing and turn the other happen. cheek, love thy neighbor stuff. Yeah. But I want Love to kick in someone's far. face, too. Anthony, <laughs> did you write this from the past? <laughs> Um, move to Portland. Yeah, nobody cares I mean, about those people. I mean, yes, that's that sounds like what you should do or he should do. But the problem is, is that a lot of people don't have the option to get sure. out of their situation. Especially, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm saying I'm from a small town. I I'm, can't. Move, yeah, I'm right? saying move to Portland because Portland is super cheap. Yeah, yeah. It's super cheap, and no one does anything there except drink. My the thing time. is, that he already <laughs> knows what he needs to do, and it's that it's the these people don't fucking matter, and yeah. those people obviously weren't worth your time. So you need to either find people that are, whether they're online or off, you, you or, say, and get you the fuck that, out of there. You say that, but like uh, when you when you've lived a place in your entire life, and that's where your whole support system is, it. It's scary. It's like a really difficult yeah, it thing. Is to As somebody who did this very recently, who left his very small rural life, fucking go for it. Yeah, but does I've your, done it. Does I've your, done it twice. Yeah, but did what? you? But did you leave under under you know a dark cloud of your friends and family hating everything you stand for? Were you called a a Nazi rapist? I've been called things that are plenty worse than that too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I mean, all I'm saying. Not that is I don't feel that, bad for him. I'm just saying that. You just need to get the fuck out of there, and then you'll realize none of those people matter. You're going to be so much happier the sooner you get as far away from them as possible. And this so does reiterate that a lot, of, a lot of Oregon is not Portland. Yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of Oregon is extremely... Like, everyone always associates the West Coast of the United States with being super liberal because that's how they see the only time they ever hear about them is well, they you see know, like Los Angeles and, and they yeah. see San blue states. It's not even Seattle. how most of California is. No. Well, and, which and, I learned and, the hard and way. They just see, they just see Again, the only time most people outside of the state see it is an election thing for mm-hmm. senators and for blah, 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 and they always see it colored blue, mm-hmm. and that's all they know about it, it or colored, uh, yeah. And so uh, they're like, oh, clearly that must be a liberal state, but that's not true at all. It's like 52% or something like that. It, like, barely happens. They're much more well, it's not, in the it, middle. Like, surface so. area-wise, I think California is more conservative than liberal, but population-wise... Like the major population centers skew to the left. Yes, but even still, like overall population wise, it's like fifty two percent. Like you know, it's like, it's like still not even close to being like skewed super hard. It's barely there. It's like you go anywhere outside of the bubble that is the Bay Area, and people there will have an in for rude awakening. Like there are people that I knew that when the last gay marriage thing was up for a thing, they're like, "There's no way it's gonna fail," and I was like, "Get the fuck out of the city, and you'll realize how wrong you are." Yeah, no, like, exactly. They, they're all just like they get you know it's just like that's what annoys me so much when I see people in the Bay Area that are doing a protest for something in the Bay Area and I'm like <laughs> you're not making it you're fucking you're preaching to the going choir to people that are yeah. like yeah yeah I agree with that too <laughs> fucking Sacramento where people actually it's our capital and where people won't agree with you you might make a difference so so angry it's all true though that was a good soapbox yeah 
Good um, one. Anyways, uh, let's. I'll do. I'll do uh, one last letter. It's totally not about games. We can. Uh, Andrew Ethan says, "I recently discovered how much I love reading sci-fi novels, Yay. and I was hoping you guys can make a few recommendations. What would you consider to be essential classics, and what about modern classics?" Let me get my and he said, uh, Kindle. That, he right? said, "I recently read Re- Ready Player One and Ender's Game. Boo! I'm about halfway through Dune right now." Leviathan Wake, Neuromancer, and Starship Troopers are a few of the ones I'm considering checking out next. Starship Troopers is awesome. Yeah, yeah totally. definitely. A book I always go to Unfortunately, is... Starship Troopers is kind of fascist. <laughs> it yeah. is, but it's good. It always has been, but it's it's like, yeah, don't read it because you actually want to go in Right, well, now they're, re- <laughs> now they're making another Starship Troopers movie that is, like, super fascist. I'm just saying, don't 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 read it and try to adopt its ideology. Read it because it's about guys in suits beating up mo- aliens. Yeah, <laughs> the same way you can read and enjoy Ender's Game while hating Orson Scott Card. Just don't pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Or if, if you're you gonna do, read Ender's Game, don't buy it new. See, if you're gonna if you're gonna buy it, then just donate double that money to a charity. No. Okay. No, oh. That doesn't work. <laughs> right. It doesn't work. I do you know it doesn't work. I love that book so much. And you're gonna go see the movie. And I am more money. I'm gonna hate that. You're movie gonna go too. see it in fucking IMAX 3D no, I'm and pay twenty five dollars for a do fucking that. ticket. You're gonna <laughs> no, pay no. more to see that movie than you did for the fucking book. That's true. So uh, well, I've recommended this one on the podcast before, but you should definitely check out Wool, W O O L, and the Omnibus Edition, which is all five of them together, because it started out as like a pretty short novella. The second one got longer. The third one got longer, and it was all self-published online and everything. And it's a really fucking cool sci-fi story. It's not space sci-fi. It's hmm. like kind of post-apocalyptic, but it, it it takes place in an underground silo. Like a, there's a colony of people that basically, once the surface of the planet was destroyed, they uh, have been in this underground silo for who knows how long—a converted missile silo, basically. And uh, it's just a really incredible story. Other classics, like easy stuff, is just Gibson and Stevenson, and yes. Neuromancer, Snow Crash, that um, kind of stuff. I really so Charles Strauss's Laundry novels are something that I've recommended. You keep—you've uh, mentioned that a couple times. I still have yet to read them. Well, maybe we you should get to. on that. Yeah. <laughs> Former uh, IGN what? editor Charles Onyet wrote a really cool short story that I called disruption called disruption yeah yeah i love nice. that story that's one of another story that you should consider reading uh is is by stephen king it's called under the dome there's now a popular abc tv series made about it but the actual story is is a sort of science fiction story huh what what series is it is the series called under the dome yeah yes yeah it's an adaptation but, the, but from what novel. i understand the tv show is unsurprisingly very different some of the writing uh, that people are quoting on that show on twitter is amazing <laughs> really sure but yeah but the actual book itself is typical of stephen king in the sense that like it is really 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 about the in-depth interpersonal relationships between characters and like crazy like you know multiple tens of page asides about why this mm-hmm. character has this one silly quirk that you'll only hear about once but it's like <laughs> this really weird backstory <laughs> that goes on for days so so uh, if I can uh, engage in a little bit of uh, nepotism here, my my cousin Dane actually self-published a trilogy of uh, space-faring novels that have kind of a light-hearted sense of humor, and I am not going to address the quality of them at all because I'm completely not objective. Matt hates them. <laughs> But um, it's uh, just look up Dane White, D A I N. The last name is White. And uh, then another uh, a modern Arthur. Ar- Why can't Try we again. talk it's tonight? Been a rough Jesus night Christ! Modern Arthur. 
Fuck. I'm a modern stroke. Arthur. You are. <laughs> you are. You are a classic going to be like, everything tastes like burning. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a... Um, there's a... I really like the books by Elizabeth Moon. It's uh, epic space opera type stuff, if that's what you're into. It, they're very good. There's a book that... I don't like every time I bring up this book, nobody has ever heard of it. Anthony is just rocking out on that. That's because like he can hear the thing. He can hear yeah. The <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. I think I think part of the reason I'm in a bad mood is because I can hear the drums in Arthur's <laughs> thing, and it's slowly driving me fucking bonkers. Like, I, I fucking I, live here. The whole time I've been flicking out my knife. God, <laughs> like you're gonna do man. something about this, it. This is why people get murdered. <laughs> Every time I bring up the book Armor, written by John Stakely, nobody's ever heard of it. Um, but it's this. it's really cool. Like my high school principal recommended it to me back in the day, and it's awesome. It's uh, like a personal character story about a dude who they find this set of armor. They, yeah, they find this armor and they go into the memory thing and they go back to see like where this dude came from and like how this armor came to be so fucked up. Oh, um, cool. And it's just a cool story about this like war hero. It's really cool. Wow, right on. The last one that I'd recommend is uh, it's called The Lies of Tau. And the whole premise is that there's uh, aliens crash landed on Earth in prehistory, like in the time of the dinosaurs. And the only way that they could survive was to possess life forms. And eventually, uh, they, you know, they're basically immortal, but they have to move from one from you know another being to another being is this and dianetics they, that you're talking and about they've de- <laughs> and they've de- <laughs> oh my god is that the is that the premise of dianetics is kind of the, more or less yeah. this is about really? alien mormon dinosaurs well the lives of Not tau more. is much more scientology I don't, I don't know man like the fucking Dianetics is pretty crazy. <laughs> Never talk about that shit on Twitter. Even if you mention it in a negative way, yeah, you'll start you getting emails. Get the Scientology bots? Yep. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, anyway, Lies of Tao. Good book. Books, man. They're cool. There, yeah. there you go. Um, also, watch Exosquad on Hulu Plus. Oh, Bye. shit. I totally <laughs> need to do that. So good. I've been rewatching it, and I was watching it with a friend of mine up here and mm. uh he was remarking on how strangely adult it is because yeah. in the very first episode they deal with like racism and all kinds of stuff and you're like oh Damn. wow yeah, yeah so. nice yeah with pacific uh, Robot this weekend have you guys ever like watched any giant robot cartoons or kaiju shit no. ever no i have not okay i mean if you want to get curious. technical i guess like power rangers counts as that right yeah then yes bit. i didn't okay. really watch power rangers because i was always pissed off because i was like it's just ripping off voltron I was yep. super into Robotech and Clash of the Bionids, but that's not the same stuff. I can remember Shadow being, being like uh, 12 or something and making my mom drive home fast because I, I have to be there when we find out who the fuck the White Ranger is, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine my surprise when it was Tommy or whoever the fuck. Don't say whoever the fuck like you don't know. <laughs> was his name Tommy? Yes. Okay, I wasn't. I actually, I was guessing. Like, it sounded like. You know, like one of those guesses where you're like, my mind's telling me Tommy, but I don't know if that's right. It's almost like the plot lines in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are really rote and predictable. (laughs) 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 You want to send in your own letters and have me dismiss them or (laughs) (laughs) letters at eat-sleep-game.com. You can find us all on Twitter. I'm at Chuff Money. Arthur's at A-G-I-E-S. Mitch is at Mitchie D. And uh, all of us do work on the internet, or actually not all of us, 
but Mitch does work on the internet for IGN. Arthur does it for Polygon, polygon.com. And uh, Matt does a bunch of video work for video games, which you can find more about at area5.tv. Um, yeah. Play Blacklight now free on PC, coming soon to PlayStation 4. <laughs> you can do all those things, too. Um, that would be cool. Our company would always appreciate it. Um, and that's all I really got. I'm sorry to everyone listening to that I was in a bad mood the, between the drums and everything else. Going crazy. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week. Uh, we still love you. Okay. I love everyone, too. Even if I do a terrible job of showing it. <laughs> be, good, be good to everyone. Don't use me as an example. We're out. Winter is